This is a news laundry podcast. Welcome to NL Hafta. Rohit Vemula's family has converted to Buddhism today. Gurgaon has been renamed to Gurugram and this namkaran didn't go down well with many people. Today when we're recording this, it is Baba Saheb Ambedkar's 125th birth anniversary and our in-house Ambedkarite Anand Rangarathan has written a brilliant piece on his childhood which you should go read. The link is mentioned below. Elsewhere, National Institute of Technology in Srinagar is a fiasco still. There are pearls of wisdom from Swaroop Anand Saraswati Maharaj. IPL matches are being shifted out of Maharashtra. There is a lot to discuss. So welcome to NL Hafta episode 63. I'm Dipanjana Pal. Angrez apna lagan and news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte even when Abhinandan is on chutti and there is a Bengali speaking Hindi. <laughs> However, we will survive this one way or the other. So let's do this because Remember when the corporate pays media serves their interest and when the public pays media serves public interest support independent media support news laundry if you like other independent media support them as well and today we have with us Madhu hi Anand hello Manisha hello and Karuna for those who missed last week's hafta Karuna has joined news laundry as editor collaborations and partnership which is not a reason for you to send her friendship requests However, if you would actually like to partner with us, please write to her at Karuna at newslaundry.com. I'm not going to talk to talk about all the places. Can I just worked. say Jai Bhim? Yes, of course. Jai Bhim. <laughs> Jai Bharat. <laughs> and did you just say Abhinandan is not here? I can feel him and his presence is here all for around us. For a second us. I thought you mistook me for him. I was going to say I must have lost a lot of weight. <laughs> because that is obviously the only difference between the two of us. And facial hair. Minor. That's Although. A minor I feel he has longer hair than I do. I think that's another point we should keep in mind. Anyway, um so we have like I said a lot of things to discuss today. Um I know that everyone wants to talk about Tahir Shah's angel because that is the most important thing in the Indian newscape but I would like to actually start with uh, something that um we had a very interesting article on this and uh, the link again will be down in SoundCloud but it was the coverage that NDTV did with the Assam elections uh, which just got over and uh, in that context I want to introduce uh, Shob who is with us hello uh, so we have uh, shub with us shub you're from assam right yeah and so i'm going to ask you first because you are from assam did ndtv really get it all wrong yeah they got it wrong they got it wrong big time i mean they forgot to account for the fact that there could be muslim assamese indigenous people as well i mean and uh, the colonial view which they took which suggests that you know until the colonialists discovered assam it was all empty this is i think so a standard like problem that we america. have yeah, yeah. there was no america before that there was no assam before um, and and what does that do though like i mean ultimately for me it is that i expect someone like ndtv which has a panel that includes a senior journalist like shikhar gupta who has been in assam for an extended period of time to just know basic things like who makes up the assamese people hmm. but i for me it was also a little bit worrying to see that idea that muslims are a different category um the there was something about the tribal breakup as well right yeah. what was that so they had bodos they had missing and then they had other tribes which they said you know there's who are uh, you know a bit here a bit there pagera pagera 
वगैरह वगैरह सो इट्स ऑलमोस्ट एज इफ दे डो नॉट मैटर इन द लार्जर स्कीम ऑफ थिंग्स आई मीन दे हैव बिन देयर फॉर सो मेनी इयर्स यू अकॉर्ड मोर इम्पोर्टेंस टू दैम दे आर द इंडिजनस पीपल येस इंडिजनस और दे माइग्रेटेड वेरी अर्ली दे ब्रॉड फ्रॉम दिस एरिया सच एज छत्तीसगढ़ झारखंड टू वर्क इन दू वर्क इन द टी प्लांटेशन देर there was an interesting article that i think scroll had hmm. which said that the uh, tea garden workers didn't care at all what was happening with the campaigning because there was a lot of aggressive campaigning this time hmm. as far as they were concerned their lives were going to be absolutely terrible before the elections as well as after the elections it really does not matter nothing really changes for them on the ground i mean it's still the colonial uh, tea estate manager who you know uh, prides uh, who rules over them and their condition does not change irrespective of which government which party's government rules at the state or at the center so yes i think it's quite natural for them to be indifferent about these elections did you see the coverage madhu did you see the yes, so bit of it i found it pretty dull um but i think going from there that coverage and watching it i would like to bring it to a larger issue that i think is becoming even more prevalent by the day in india which is that that kind of uh, english speaking culture and from that generation that particular viewpoint mm. on everything is something that i'm exposed to all that all the time because of my uh, affiliation with my age because of my age and class and i think this class this particular class is so redundant <laughs> but they have no idea that they are and that coverage was an example of that But and i am exposed to it every single day where there are still people who uh, look down on people who can't speak english with the right accent so therefore they cannot you know uh, be treated with respect uh, a wrong car a wrong class basically it's all class wrong school um i think this great divide unless this class uh realizes that they are unless they adjust to new realities i think is going to become really problematic mm. they are getting increasingly out of power in any case because it's more the regional uh, uh person who speaks regional languages even in jobs if you're a lawyer you're much better off being able to speak the regional language of that district or in hindi in, in if you happen to be in the capital you're better off in jobs i think frankly with all due respect i think it's the uh, reporters who speak hindi well are the ones who get the stories as journalists i've always had that experience so i think that this coverage of ndtv just was a complete example of the wide wide gap mm. that that generation has not understood that it's time to close shop in that at, in that kind of uh presentation thinking they have to unlearn and learn again which basically that cl- cliche that it is the time to unlearn and learn again and they're not doing it manisha do you think it's uh, it's a question of the privilege part or is it also that this is the northeast because we've been seeing election coverage for north india as well has it had the same kind of problem do no, you think no because i think shekhar gupta spent close to 3 years there so i i'm pretty sure that he spent time reporting but i agree with madhu like when i watched the coverage there's like three old men just like having a drawing room conversation with each other and also talking to each other about how oh you know you have been to assam you know this and oh you have done that so tell us about what you think it's just it is privilege 
but also journalistically i don't understand even if you spend a month in a state you would know at least the basics of the state in terms of the composition you'd have half the population migrant and most of these guys who you call migrant have been living for 100 years you call bengali hindus migrant i mean i know bengali hindus assamese who speak assamese who call themselves assamese they're assamese so for you to not know this basic shop is one of them exactly that <laughs> so yeah i mean how do you not know that if you spend 3 years in a state covering it and then you are pontificating on the state and its politics and you know these using these huge words it's shoddy journalism i don't know privilege non privilege but ananda someone who is readily taking journalists and journalistic agencies to task on twitter um <laughs> do you think this is privilege at play i think that two things one is as madhu correctly pointed out they seem to be in a different world altogether it's ignorance at play it's more than actually they're just so comfortable in thinking that what they're doing is the right sort of thing to do as far as journalism is concerned which is basically a drawing room conversation you know you it doesn't matter who's passing by you know when you're sitting in the drawing room hundreds of people are all around you i mean there's a wonderful photograph by raghurai you know where you have this uh, mumbai cst which is in a daze you know and there are three people reading newspapers and this is what this reminds me of you know you have shekhar gupta and the sophologist and pranay roy sitting on cst uh, reading a newspaper <laughs> and they are in in focus when you know a river of a mass of you know people are just floating past and raghurai shows this so beautifully this is what ndtv has become and it's not that there's nobody to tell them that guys what you're doing is horrendously wrong it's just that they are immune to taking advice or taking you know any this thing and the second thing is facts i mean how in the world can you can you say that the real assamese are in a minority is just beyond me yeah. i mean it's like saying in <laughs> bombay you know you have a population of or mumbai you have a population of 20 million you can say well the real mumbaiites mumbaikers are probably 1 million you know and i don't know how many mns i think has been saying that for that a while that is the premise to build a whole political <laughs> right. party on so i mean just do fact checking it's just the basic thing i mean how how can you say this and the same thing about muslim assami is bengali hindu it's just ridiculous it's like you know deconstructing what should not be deconstructed at the the face value so it's a disaster and it does really sort of um... and incidentally just to point out i mean this is the uh, when they were the bihar coverage was going on these three same three gentlemen were uh, the studio was in the shape of a mine coal mine yeah <laughs> so i think it's the delusion and the gimmickry yeah. over just taking over the journalism see yeah. i guess it i get what they're trying to do when they're doing something like the coal mine yeah. misguided as it might be um it's an attempt to make topics interesting right um because i think there is a certain amount of awareness that all topics are not equally interesting to your wider audience and our media increasingly seems i don't know would you agree that our media more and more wants to get the largest common denominator on board i think that coal mine thing was just they wanted to portray to the public that here are three diamonds in the coal mine i think that's what it was <laughs> I don't or agree. canneries i don't agree that it's but i think facts cannot be dressed up i agree that it isn't like that. Yeah. the only thing that makes a makes a a program interesting is content in terms of what they say and what guests and in journalism it's just facts how can you not how can you even try and make facts disappear so either the facts are there or they're not and what guests they have but it's the comfort zone of this yeah, kind of a panel yeah they're just comfortable so me and my bfs but you know chatting, frankly you know, like just that. as a young journalist i'll call myself young come now i am young <laughs> so you are you are it's it's a scary 
I'm really scared to become like that because it's very it's very normal for journalists to become complacent to become know-it-alls because it's it's a professional hazard. You're supposed to be this person who knows who can be smart about the things that you have no idea about. And I think that just a lot of journalists internalize that and just become that and then become complacent but and don't say, step out. Would you say? And that it scares me that like I don't know. Other journalists their age hmm. on camera hmm. are they all like that? No, no. I think we. Uh, so it's not age. No, but you know, Mami, no, like, you know, here I'd like to just point out. You have, reality. You lose connect with ground reports when you stop ground reports, when you stop your visits, when you stop talking to people. And if you're in a sanitized environment, it's nice to stay clean and cool in air conditioning, you know, but they forget that they have put years of work and they have a body of work which shows the ground reportage. In Shekhar defense, though, bit, every general scary. election, he does step out and does these, whatever, he does report uh, but, but you know, no, when, when you talk about worse, to answer right? Madhu's so, question, I mean, I have two examples. You know, this thing about being so comfortable with whatever you're doing that, you know, any criticism or critique, uh, you're immune to it. So uh, let's take interviews that Indians, Indian journalists take, for example. So, you know, I mean, Madhu, I've seen her interviewing people and she's always carrying this. Let's say if she's interviewing an author, you're carrying a book, okay, of written by the author. And in that book, Sorry for being, you know, so minutely <laughs> looking at the video. Is yeah. that the word you're yeah. for? You know, there are post-it notes that 50, 10, yeah. dozens of those. Okay. Stephen Sacker, for example. I mean, hard talk. A fantastic journalist. He doesn't like... I don't agree with you on Stephen, I think. But, uh, but no, but I have to tell you, every time I've interviewed anyone on their book, yeah. they're always surprised. They always tell me, there's not a, journal, a writer who hasn't told me that, that they're surprised that I've read every single word. It's because homework. interviews you know, are like done. <laughs> interviews are done by people on television where a lackey reads the book, marks five questions, and that's it. Right. On that note, I would like to turn to some hard-hitting journalism that happened this week. Uh, Prince William and Kate, uh, Princess Kate. Yes, that's important. <laughs> Is she Princess and Duchess all at the same time? I'm very confused with the British royalty. But anyway, um, front page and not just on Times of India. I know Times of India got a lot of hate for this. But the fact is they were not the only, only ones. One. Yeah. Every single publication, pretty much everywhere in the world to be fair, took a photo from a series of photos of Kate Middleton's skirt flying. Now, I first of all can't understand why this is news. She was walking around a city on a windy day with a skirt and the skirt flew. It's certainly not news because it's happened to her so many times. It's old news. Yeah, maybe she needs it happens a new, over and over again. A new stylist maybe, you know, certain no, fabrics she, don't The queen fly. wears weights in her so, dress that keep it down yeah. or she should wear straight because she should know that when you land, land in an airport particularly, yeah. it's going to be windy. But do you think it's because they're basically a really bland and boring couple that we were just desperate to find something that would make them slightly exciting? What, did you care that they were in the country? Not really. No. But other photographs by EPA. But they're nice uh, and polite Harish people. Dhyaki, you you know, they're like thousands of nice and polite tourists <laughs> who come and, you know, it's just, I'm just astonished by the amount of coverage that they get. And uh, I mean, the BBC, for example, has a royal correspondent. Hmm. So wherever the Queen or uh, the Duke, her husband, yeah, Prince Philip, and I mean, the thing beat. with thing with the Charles to a large extent, and to a great extent with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, Prince William, and all that, um, is that they they're very politically correct, which is 
probably a good Which thing. Which is not like French. So, Remember French Philip? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That he would say. You know. But so, such great copy came from that also, right? <laughs> you could rely on him on saying something delightfully offensive. Have you asked him for the Kohinoor back yet and uh, Jalia Malabad's apology? And as, um, as Sandeep Roy wrote for us, yeah. given Boman, Kohinoor of Britannia showed oh. up. Yeah. <laughs> No, but the man is 93 years old. He's been trying to secede from the union and rejoin UK for about 90 of those 93 years. But kudos to the Prime Minister of India who held Prince William's hands so hard, it stopped blood flow and there was an imprint. That's my favourite photograph of this visit. Uh, he's apparently done this to everyone that he shakes hands yeah, with. Yeah, but I think EPA got a great photograph out of that and Harish Tyagi's framing was amazing because that we got a grip on the Britannia finally but did you guys think the front page uh, photo and caption was sexist which which uh, times uh, of, of india's middle no did i you think see if the a guy's caption? pants fell down it would be on the front page too yeah well there was a point that was made on twitter rega jha's uh, tweet on williams uh, yeah, that was diff that was there as well she yeah. put up a photo from the same day same place of uh, prince william's uh, coat flying and you sort of basically see a little bit of his shirt and his uh, backside and mm -hmm. said that no one put that up. But um, I, I have to say at the risk of sounding a little bit sexist, uh, Kate's picture is significantly better. Of course. Just as a photograph, yeah. I've got yeah. to say. Yeah, I, I completely understand why Kate Middleton, they use Kate Middleton's picture instead of... But uh, also the cap, it was a Marilyn Monroe moment, right? Was it wrong to call it a... Yes, it was completely wrong to call it a Marilyn Monroe moment, because to my mind. Mm -hmm. Because it's also, you have to keep in mind what you're referencing. Marilyn Monroe, if you just take that scene from Seven Year Age, she's so aware of the sensuality of that moment. It's a, and it became an iconic thing for that awareness. A woman standing she's smiling, there she's and saying happy. that I would like to be sexy and I would like to do it in this exposing kind of way. And she's standing on, on top on of her grill. Yeah. And on a grill where the subway. Yeah. So this wasn't because she's trying to tame no, so to, she's trying so to tame take her someone who is stumbling and by mistake having their skirt up in the air and really not enjoying it by any look of. No, but it's mind-boggling that if it's happened to you that often, get a new stylist. Yeah, the penny should drop at some point. That everywhere you go, it's go it could be windy. Has it happened? Before? And dress weights are real. Yeah, They've been invented. At least 10, 12 times ago. there are images of her whole butt being exposed in Australia. Or <laughs> Which is why you go to Pinterest more and get those dress weights. They keep, well, Prince Charles I made a big boo-boo uh, before this. I did not mention uh, that this podcast that we are all listening to is produced by Kartik Nijhavan. Um, the, I have to also admit the reason why I remembered my forpa is because when Madhu mentioned Kate Middleton's butt, Kartik made the worst face ever. <laughs> Which just goes to show he is not a royalist, evidently. <laughs> He's not impressed at all. Okay, I'm going to change topic because I don't think the royals deserve any more attention. What would you like to go with, Anand? You know our list. Who yeah, lives I in Gurgaon? Does anyone here live in Gurgaon? No. You live in Gurgaon, Shubh? Yeah. Are you going to Asana be called? And Gurgaon. My like, God, you are a local expert, expert for everything. Today. <laughs> um, do you live in Gurgaon? For now. Are you going to move because it's called Guru Gram now? No, I think it's plain boring. That's why. So you were on the metro coming in, uh, like some of uh, some other colleagues of us. Did anyone care about this name change? No one bothered. I don't think it matters to common people because they have far 
more important issues to think about than a name change. I didn't even know that there was a proposal to change the name. Did did you know that? The yeah, I mean, I, like I didn't that? know this. And, uh, you know, it's one of those very strange things that uh, the moment you criticize it, hmm. you almost bombarded with, you know, the past yeah. misdemeanors of, you know, Congress government and all the other governments yeah, so and all the people who changed the... I actually like the sound of so, Guru Ram. It sounds very nice. But uh, one person made a... I can't, I, I can't remember. I think maybe it was uh, Huda or uh, the actor Huda. That he said that... Uh, it, I mean, try as you may, it is impossible for a Haryanvi to say Guru Gram, you know. <laughs> is it Guru Gama? Yeah. Oh. Guru Gama or Guru Gama, you is know, Guru or something Gama? like that. So I don't know whether... And it's just silly, you know. It's just... But I'm so middle class, I'm worried about all the money now they'll need to change all the signages, all the postal thingamajiggies. But it's kind of the badlands, they don't really do signs anyway, do they? Oh, no, no, they do actually and, and uh, there's uh, the great metro. So every metro station now will have to be realigned to Guruness. Yeah. All because Dronacharya might feel upset apparently. And it's the same thing, it's, if it's Gurgaon versus Gurgram, it's just a refined gown. So I think it's just again a slightly more Sanskritized or upper classified gown. This is a very good point for me to plug one series that I'm very happy about. It's called Our Bro Tips from Baba Sahib. I would highly encourage you to go and uh, look at it. One of them does in fact include Dronacharya. Um, <laughs> and therefore, I feel you should watch that. But I think just to, uh, Karuna makes an excellent point. I mean, you know, you have, you have uh, people, the, you know, a lot of names of cities are on the way the, the locals have pronounced the name. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, Guru Gram, and if people, uh, I don't know originally what the, I mean, the etymology of Gurgaon, I don't know the etymology of Gurgaon, I don't know what was the origin of this word Gurgaon, but it's probably Guru Gaon, you know. It's uh, Guru Ka Gaon is Guru what they Ka. say. Right. The mythological connect you do know, right? Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. It was given by the Pandavas, and therefore yes. it is the Gram for the Guru, hence right. Guru. So, but this is, also, at the risk of sounding very dismissive, this is also the state government's explanation for it. Right. Um, and this is not something that's historically verifiable by any stretch of imagination for obvious reasons. Right. Um, but yes, if you can't even pronounce it, to if your local can't pronounce it. Correction. Correction. So, so I mean, I can understand when you know. If a fancy know. person telling me, Abhi gaon mat bol, say gram. Repeat after me, gram. Yes, exactly. You know, I don't say gaon. Who says gaon? So, you know, I mean, if, if the Brits kept a name that they could not pronounce, yeah. And then you changed it. It's understandable that, you know, I mean, for example, Tiruvananthapuram, Srivandram, or, you know, so many other, Utakama and Uti. Uh, Kochi, Cochin. Cochin, so and, you know, pronunciation uh, Bangalore, are Bangalore. Okay with, but yeah. not pronunciation refined. But if Indians are pronouncing something and you change it to, you know, what they're not used to, uh, that sounds ridiculous, you know. No, it's a very posh Delhi, Ottawala, and a buyer. Saroshi Nagachalingikya. So it's not. <laughs> I, I heard work. a really nice joke which began with uh, this uh, little preppy young thing saying, Uba Bhaya. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Guru Gram is for the Uba Bhayas of this world, I think. Okay, shifting over to some a place which has had its name changed. It was called Quillon because the British felt that was easier to pronounce than Kolam, mm -hmm. apparently. Um, this, this temple fire is, I think, one of the worst that we have known in India. Uh, there's been, I don't actually know what happened with that, we should check up on it, but there was a move to ban firecrackers entirely from uh, yeah, the, temple the, the discussion has been... The um, problem with that is our attitude that rules are for other people, uh, telling them not to do it over there. 
instead of putting in safety measures in place yeah. and enforcing and making punishments bigger for violators it's like everything is everything is ban ban sab theek hai sab theek hai aise hi fuss karte fussi hai bahut but i don't understand what the fascination what is this fascination people have with firecrackers I mean, it is horrendous. I like everything Chinese. I so like fire. I love fire. I miss them in Diwali now. I mean, they are so polluting. <laughs> and if you, I mean, I see yeah, yeah, yeah. an ex-chemist. Yeah. Hey, I, I have made fire. We're not to, talking the about the logic of it. Yeah. It's okay. just, but it's just they're pretty. pretty they're beautiful to see when yeah. you see them up in the sky. Huge fireworks that they, sh- you know, they have. But but especially when they do them in Sydney and and New York, and you see them in. in their when they festivals. do it in uh, beautiful. Delhi I'm just but the, the fact is that I but think, so many I think it points to a harmful. very very serious problem in uh, in all our uh, attitudes towards safety whether it's the roads or whether how to even like I've seen parents this lack of foresight in how, what they allow their children to do yeah. without being able to see that it's obvious that the child is going to get hurt by doing a certain thing and they allow them to play in a certain way without precautions putting them in the bath and, and that like, was the most uh, and i think that it points to that that our attitude towards safety is so lax it's also this privileging of uh, influence over safety the the most heartbreaking part about this kolam fire temple thing was to see reports like the one in the indian express where repeatedly officials had said this is not a good idea we're denying permission it's not okay and then at and each point was used influences used to deny that denial and carry on there was um, i forget who had uh, said this but there was a nice little twitter thread of three or four messages by um, by someone from kerala who had this analysis where he basically said that the whole uh, competitive fireworks thing is part of uh, boasting yeah right it's a community masculine boasting thing it's an exercise in ego and that's why it's done therefore it's really sort of ironic that what has caused this tragedy is also ignoring because of but ego. you know who are they trying to impress i mean evolutionarily we can you know you have the the plume of the peacock okay so we have two male peacocks the boasting they're trying to impress the the hen pea hen out here what are they boasting about the and gods. secondly i mean uh, Ah, the gods. Yes. Okay. No, also which which temple But, has more money? Which temple has yeah. better so, access to a, better fireworks? A, that is ridiculous. B, Absolutely. obviously the safety regulations are you know were violated. Mm-hmm. And C, why in the world uh, you know we still have this firecrackers industry? I mean you know the two things. One, Madhu says right, they're beautiful. Okay, fine. But then they are incredibly harmful. I mean yeah, I know chemically, chemically in wise. factories where people not just fire, workers have lost their lives. If you look at Sivakasi, the way kids work there, you know, if and you, they've had a fire fires too, I'm fires, sure many fires, fires there. And look the, at the lifespan, look at the while making them yes. are getting polluted through their fingers, yes, in their lungs. It it's is the, the worst. worst. It's the same no, thing with asbestos. I mean, if you remember when we were as kids growing up, asbestos wasn't banned and we had the asbestos industry and you know, I mean, it caused the most horrendous respiratory problems. Now it is banned. But firecrackers but, are we behave with firecrackers when we are in places where laws are in place. So in in Delhi on Diwali there's the final competition it's the ladies they play them yes. out on the roads and Always you just have to see in the morning yeah it's a bizarre art to see uski 10000 ki hai to meri 1 lakh ki hai so i just don't get it you see the mess in the morning it's different but it's like a machine gun magazine going off and you don't care if there's an old person or an infirm person or a small child or animals it's crazy in delhi how how animals i mean 
And it's not just I Delhi, it's it. everywhere. Yeah, I mean, when, having grown country. up here, I mean, you know, that's, and I've seen it increase in my 41 years of existence, right? So it was 10,000, it's one lakh, and it's apparently very, very expensive, right? So it's something that, like you said, it's to impress whoever wants to be impressed. You're free to show it. The kids are very good now because they are the ones who are lecturing their parents. I've some schools, some. Yeah, it's improving, I hope, but I, it's You know, still call there, me a penny pincher or always but I think if you're talking of celebrating something, then let it be renewable. So I, unless somebody comes up with a renewable firecracking device, okay? <laughs> so for example, if you're celebrating Holi, do it with renewable water, okay? If you're celebrating Christmas, do it with, you know, solar powered lights or whatever. But a don't waste energy, don't pollute. I mean, it's just the basic thing. What's a renewable firecracker, particularly those uh, Chinese types, is the worst <laughs> Chinese idea invented the, ever. That's the like firecrackers. it'll never stop. It's like a continue. Oh God, that's yeah, terrible. that's scary. On, that yeah, is a very frightening notion. Please, Anand, do not create that. Do not give that idea. There are huge number of buildings across the country, and we see a result of it when a fire takes place in high-rise buildings, where fire regulations where you're supposed to get a certificate, strings are pulled, they don't meet the fire requirements, the safety requirements, and strings are pulled and it's signed. And this I know firsthand that there are many, many builders who will go spin all kinds of pull strings, pay people off, rather than putting those safety factors, yeah. particularly in office buildings yeah. and putting people at risk. The more uh, rabid this sort of uh, urbanization happens, the more this tends to happen as well because uh, you want to, the moment you have to get all of these permissions, every builder will complain about how long it takes, how these processes are not actually there to be done without bribing somebody or something or the other. But the net result is that you have, uh, you have tragedies like the Upar one happened here, right? I mean, that is undoubtedly one of the worst uh, fire disasters that we've had. But um, we have uh, we have on our list still NIT in Srinagar, yeah, I think which is that's a good subject. Yeah. We had a good article. But we've uh, had yeah, we, we have a on yeah. So uh, Manisha is the one who's actually spoken uh, to a lot of the students who were there. Yeah, for me, um, you know, I just felt that the students that I spoke to there, they understand and appreciate their differences so much better than politicians do. You have this institute where you have around 2,600 uh, non-local students and 400 Kashmiri students. And when I spoke to, uh, a lot of it didn't go into print or we didn't put it up because they were like, okay, we're not we're going to be honest and politically incorrect, but this is what it is. Like, we of course fight a lot. The Kashmiri students uh, don't like India. They say that to our face. Uh, we have a certain sense of patriotism. We approach things differently. and. Uh, this girl that I was talking to who's been there for four years, she was talking about how we, of course, fight. And she's like, it's natural. But never has it escalated to such a level. And it was interesting for me to see that all of us in Delhi don't appreciate the differences and the capacity of people to appreciate their differences and coexist and argue and debate, yet be nonviolent about it. Uh, whereas these students had, and I think... You need more. I don't think NIT should be shifted from Srinagar because it's a great opportunity from people across India, students across India to see another reality, to get to know other uh, students from other, you know, states. And also for Kashmiri students to get to know 
people from you know Delhi, people from Rajasthan. And again, it's a knee-jerk political reaction, you know. So exactly. you can't fix there, it, you can't address it, ban it, shift it, shut it. Even the non-local students said that you know this. We have fights, we have issues, we have problems with the administration that discriminates, but we don't hate Kashmiri students or Kashmiri students don't hate non-local students the way it's been projected in the media. Yeah. We have come to understand each other's realities. So and, would and you say that the would you say that the report uh, reporting on NIT was irresponsible? Uh, I think yeah, uh, to a large extent. You know, more than irresponsible, it just lacks nuance. And I don't know whether it's because of time, because newspapers, you know, you have a daily deadline or TV has a daily deadline. So you just miss out on a lot of nuance and context, which I think the reader and the viewer can do with. So, for example, when there was this whole thing about uh, the police brutality was absolutely bad and the administration calling in the police was horrible. But the fact is that if this protest had gone out on the streets of Srinagar, it could have been very dangerous for the students. That is not, you know that it's sort of militancy affected and you know that you saw what happened in uh, the stone pelting and yeah, four people have died because of police firing. So I think journalists should make an effort to also show that it's a special place, it's a special kind of a place to have a campus in and there are constraints within which the administration and the police functions. So the reason why they didn't want the students to go out was also because of their safety. And a lot of the students uh, wanted to go out because they were feeling passionately about wanting to assert, you know, whatever they wanted to assert. They wanted to go out with the national flag, they wanted to go out and chant. But if they'd done that and if there was a local backlash, it could have escalated into a worse situation. So these but things Manisha, should come don't in. don't you think that think. itself is a reason for, <clears throat> uh, you know, one not to have an institute where the students are afraid or the faculty or the administration afraid for the students to go out. But I mean that itself, uh, you know. But when I spoke to students, so here's the thing, this, when I spoke to students, they said, one girl actually said I feel more safe in Srinagar than in Delhi as wow. a woman. She actually said that and I was like, okay. So she's like, we don't, because all of them appreciate and understand the differences. But when you politicize something and when you take out a jhanki or a, you know, when you have a mob of students coming out, with a flag, with chanting slogans, and then you have a counter mob that anywhere can create a situation. And which also, can it get can be any place. And in Srinagar, even more so because you don't know what I mean. You don't know what forces are playing out there. Exactly. Are you going to shut down IIT, IIM, and Uttar Pradesh or BHU because Ayodhya is right next door, by the way. Right? My sense and is what that what if something happens? Students right? so they a... don't feel scared. Um, but that's probably but why when a situation like this happens, it's more of a jarring shock because everyday life seems to be normal but in a crisis situation Kashmir is not the same as the rest of the exactly. country it's simply not... because it has so much a militancy and b army presence mm. um, that's that's just a basic reality that I think is much easier for us to accept here because we get only reports of incidents that uh, that have the army coming in or students getting hurt or somebody is dying we don't live an everyday life in uh, kashmir yeah. i mean and as a student where your principal aim is to uh, you know uh, to educate yourself or you know to basically learn more or something i just find i just probably think this is not the place to have a but for how long will you keep but it no, away but don't and you think education and there's a, I mean, it's just there's a hard approach where you crack down on 
disturbances or militancy through army, through police, whatever. But there's also a soft approach where intermingling has to happen. I yeah. think and Kashmiris that's a cure. need to Madhu, do you meet think Indians, it, Indian. Uh, do you think it makes sense to shift NIT out of Srinagar? No, I don't. I don't. I think it's I counterproductive. Think, I think it's counterproductive. And I think uh, it's just in a flag that the Kashmiri government and the central government should take note of that they have to work towards creating an atmosphere that is um, where it's... So hold the political uh, leadership and administration responsible that you make it safer, don't make this happen again. Why should the students suffer and why should they... It's an opportunity for so many students to get that education as well. It's a lack of leadership well. from uh, the Kashmiri government and it's a new government. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for her to have stepped up to the plate and done, done something, spoken to the kids. I don't know, I've seen that in every situation, somehow politicians in power think it's beneath them to go and talk to the people who are involved. Again, it's the and ruling. 90% of the time, a lot of, even from the December 16th protests, why somebody from the government, because they weren't protesting against the government, they were protesting Correct. against what had happened and they wanted justice, we wanted justice. So if somebody from the Congress party had just gone and spoken to them, even spoken to in the early stages of Anna Hazare and uh, when they were all together, uh, Kejriwal and Bedi and all of them, even then at that time if the government had gone and spoken to them, I think things change but somehow they fall into that stereotypical thing that we are the power, so send the police, lati charge, cannon, uh, you know, all that goes on. I think that is the biggest problem that nobody thinks as in when they're in power so far, nobody thinks out of the box enough to say, I'll go talk to them. Because they stop being people's representatives, you know, they become the rulers. But here's the so thing, the a, people, particularly in the NIT case, from all the people that we spoke to, the, the big bad wolf for them was the media. They all complained about how the media has misrepresented uh, the the issue as being one of not the students versus the administration, which is apparently what they're fighting for, and instead made it an anti-national thing. But that's it, just let me finish because there's an answer to that point. Um, the point is that they can't speak to the media if they have a problem. But if a leader had gone to speak to them and they, the students told them that we're having a problem with the media, because they're misrepresenting what the issues are, the leader could have spoken up to the media and said, listen, you, the media is and spoken in a press conference and said, you are misrepresenting the issues. So in any event, whatever the problem is, whoever's in charge goes and hears them out and responds to it, whether it's the media or whether it's the administration or whoever they're complaining about, other students, or they're complaining about the police. If the person in charge who's responsible for that state or for that institution, even if it was Smriti Irani who went and talked to them, whatever it was, if they spoke to Smriti Irani and said, look, these are issues. She holds a press conference and says, look, the media is misrepresented. These are the real issues. Whatever the problem is, I think the people responsible, if they go and they speak to them and then speak to the rest of the country, the media will pick up what the story is. So do you think the media just gets made into the bad guy because... No, I don't think they get made into the bad guy. I think the media is generally lazy and they pick up the story from each other, from Google and there's very little real reporting where somebody goes on foot and goes over there and gets the story out. And if that was the case, then we were getting 15 different versions of the same incident or the story. But we don't. 
we always get this one viewpoint, narrow viewpoint of every story, such as Hassan coverage, for example. That's true. But I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, I agree with what Madhu said, but you look at from the perspective of a parent. And if I'm, you know, if I were to uh, use that myself, I would think twice uh, before I send my uh, son to NIT Srinagar. Uh, for many reasons. Is that because of and what you've seen now, how it's been reported? No, I mean the whole point is much of, uh, you know, when people are saying that it is, uh, you know, the, the non-locals are basically having a thing against the administration. But I mean the whole atmosphere, the reasons why it started, okay, the reasons why it started was because you had the uh, local celebrating India's defeat. Now, if you're 19 or 20 year old, and you're watching a match and you have, you know, these uh, dozens of hundreds of people uh, hollering and cheering India losing. You're not going to like that. I mean, uh, saying if, if you're very tempered, you know, you're not going to like it. If you're not very tempered and you're easily excitable, you're probably going to, you know, not, very, not like it. Express your yes, more. <laughs> but that's just one aspect of it. I, I think the other is more to do with education, to have a free... Uh, you know, a campus where you can freely express yourself. We are not, not intimidated. I mean, this sounds like a, a, a campus under siege, uh, like a settlement, you know, where you uh, host, hostility and education cannot prosper in hostility. But that's what I'm saying, so, that I think it was portrayed like that. A lot of students fight about these differences. But I saw the videos, but Manisha, fight I saw in when the way they were complaining to the mm -hmm. MHRD thing. You had like an aerodrome filled with, you know, thousands of non-local students. And they went on and on and on about their grouses, you know. So it's not yeah, just sporadic, whatever that, but, you know. But there are grouses everywhere. feel that they can deal with these grouses and with the problems they have without the kind of polarizing that's happened or without shifting from Srinagar or leaving Srinagar or... So I... I and it's not the grouses we, which have come to boil, no? I think students are smarter and I think they know how to deal with their problems and I think they were going about it in the right direction. It just escalated with the way the administration handled it by calling in the police that was i think what really otherwise i think the students would have handled this and they know how to i mean they're smarter about their differences and about how to deal with them and isn't the we, first time such instance you know they must have been handled before also it's not like it's the first time so moving on to another happened. case where uh, the situation was reasonably mishandled by university admin rohit vamula uh, today seems like a good day to remember him in any case um, and uh, fittingly, today was the day that his mother and I think his brothers have decided to convert to Buddhism. Buddhism. Um, this is obviously in connection with, uh, the direct connection is with uh, B.R. Ambedkar having chosen to reject Hinduism and opt for Buddhism. Anand. Anand. <laughs> <laughs> All eyes. All eyes on me. Anand, does, it change, does it change the way a person from a lower caste is treated if they become a Buddhist? If they come up, I'm not an authority on that, but all I can say is that if they feel that it changes the situation, then I respect that. And I, in fact, I would probably want that because religion ultimately is a very personal thing. Uh, I, being irreligious, uh, uh, you know, should know this. And secondly, if a person feels that, uh, uh, you know, all Hinduism has given him or her is what Hinduism or the wrong or right interpretation, mostly right interpretation of Hinduism gave uh, Dr. Ambedkar, uh, as I write about in, in the piece, then uh, you want to reject that. The other question, of course, is that you are not, you are rejecting Hinduism, but you're not accepting Christianity or accepting Islam. You're expecting, you're uh, accepting Buddhism. 
So it's not that you're. So in effect, if I can put it this way, you are. Uh, in fact, I I want to save this for uh, my subsequent piece because I I feel Dr. Ambedkar was an atheist, and the reason why. Okay, why not? I'll just say it here. <laughs> it's a sneak <laughs> the, preview. Sneak preview. The reason why he uh, went to uh, Buddhism was that if you if you are in a fold, in a religious fold, let's say you're a Hindu and you reject it and you don't accept anything else, that's not a political statement. Right. You see, I mean, if you reject Hinduism and you say, oh, I'm an atheist. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, people would say, well, is there anything better than Hinduism? Mm -hmm. Okay, there isn't. But in this case, he made a strong political statement, which is that, look, I am not only rejecting Hinduism, I'm actually accepting another religion. So I think, I mean, that, that nuance, I think, is very important because, I mean, I've been reading about his views on religion. He has been scathing towards, of course, mostly Hinduism, but against Islam, against Christianity. Okay, so it's not that he's just against Hinduism. So he's, he didn't he's want to break from one set of yes. rules to accept another set of rules. Exactly, so exactly. He so want, it's and his views on science and religion as... And as Buddhism would, is so basically an atheist religion. Well, it does not. I would so say Jainism is probably them. more, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're possibly you right. Know, I mean, you know, they're mostly the same. You're uh, not told to worship yes. any god. The Dalai Lama has never spoken about, the Dalai Lama has not spoken, and none of the scriptures have a mention of God. It's all, a, it's not a religion. More in fact, they say it's a practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, but let me put it this way. way. I think Hinduism ends at Advaita Vedanta, right? Like I, absolutely. So that's that's because Buddhism no is derived from, from parts of Hinduism, mm -hmm. but uh, Hinduism has so many versions and interpretations that at any given point, whatever you say about Hinduism would be right. And the, the point is that is everything is a debate. That's why we argue so much. There are no Ten Commandments. There are no fatwas. Everyone interprets it the way they want. Correct. And it's all correct. And I think that's one of the worrying things about the attempt to uh, canonize it that's sort of happening with a lot of the right wing today. Because that tries to have one particular form. Yeah, standardized. It's very disturbing because, yes. as uh, as far as the Upanishads go, as far as any scriptures that have been written, they're all philosophy and lifestyle suggestions. There are no rules or laws. No, but this and they also teach you rationalization in the Gita, which is you can justify killing of your own kin in a brilliant argument. And well, therefore, we know how to rationalize anything. Madhu, I mean, I, as uh, the I mean, late justice... That again is debatable. I know many people will disagree with me. Yeah. No, I mean, but you, there is no dogma. We are correct. not dogmatic. We but don't there is have, a very political... But the whole point, like sorry, said, just to huh, say, I mean, sorry. late Justice J.S. Verma, I mean, his famous judgment about what is Hindutva. I mean, it's a Supreme Court judgment. And he talked about religion and he talked about Hinduism coming from... It's a very, it's a fantastic judgment. I would recommend everyone read that, Justice uh, Verma's this thing. And he says, Hinduism is a way of life. I firmly believe that. But the caveat is there is a good way of life and there is a bad way of life. So the good, the great thing about Hinduism is that there is nothing, you know, there, there is no, uh, like, you know, you have in Christianity or you have in Islam, you have a book by which you must abide by or, you know, the people who strongly believe in that religion must abide by. But, uh, you know, there are great things that can come out of uh, if a quote-unquote religion becomes a way of life because you can interpret it the way you want as Madhu said you know and you can reject so many provided, things you can provided you have the freedom to do that because we don't increasingly seem to have the freedom to do that and when there is someone like uh, Rohit Vamula's family choosing Buddhism like you said about um, 
Ambedkar as well. There's a very political statement in yeah. that adoption. It is a political statement. And it's a public announcement of I need dignity and this religion doesn't give me that. Yes. But I will now go into a space where I think I deserve that dignity. Yes. I will get that dignity. And this thing about Manu Smriti, I mean, there's, you know, if you, if you were to only were to link, the historian would link population genetics with history, you would learn so much. I mean, for example, Manu Smriti, people are saying that Manu Smriti isn't Hinduism, isn't Hinduism. Okay, fine. But the whole point is there have been millions of people who might not have Manuspriti at their homes, might not even know what Manuspriti is, but they follow Manuspriti. And Dr. Ambedkar's exactly. experiences are a living testament to that, for heaven's sake. Okay? Now, population genetics shows that there was a huge mixing of the uh, uh, North Indian population and South Indian population before Manuspriti was written, written, which is an addendum to the Rig Veda, by the way. And after Manuspriti came into being, the population mixing absolutely stopped. Because the rules were made clear. Yeah, so, I mean, are you going to call it religion? Probably not. But the whole point is people are, were following it. Well, people you were know, suffering we've discussed this before and yes. also like Gandhiji said, you don't like Manuspriti, burn it. Because he could not justify a lot that was written in it. No, it is it unjustifiable. Was, and, and most people, most Hindus have not read it. And when I read it, I was appalled. I was shocked. I couldn't believe that this, all this stuff was being written and made into laws. I think it, there should have been a reaction. There was a reaction, in fact. There was a reaction from Brahmo Samaj, Arya Samaj, and they rejected all those things. Indeed. But Madhu, you nine-year-old Ambedkar goes to a railway station, and the station master is appalled, you know, the moment he comes to me, did the station master know about Manuspriti? Did the cart pullers who asked Ambedkar to drive the cart so they would walk behind so they won't be polluted, did they know Manuspriti? Or it's not that you need to read Manuspriti. It was culturally passed down. Yes. Yeah, by, by mainly by the people who, like you were saying, who says, I mean, whom he's uh, remembering. But there's this lovely line, a fragment of a line that Anand has written where he says that we were dressed very yes, well. So God. we didn't look like untouchable. No, and, and to be in a school where you yes. couldn't have water, if the, I mean, no, that was no bring water. your own gunny sack, sit on it, and take it take back. It back. That. To, go, to allow that, and the fact is that, you know, this is why Rohit Vemula's family's story is still relevant. This is not stopped. But yeah, it's continuing yeah, in schools, in fact. It was a couple fact. of years ago in UP. The children are made to sleep the, and clean A little toilets. girl's shadow fell on a priest and he beat her up five years old. Yeah. I mean, this is recent. Yeah. So, so not and refusing midday meals. No difference. We have... We and it's been passed through. Okay, they haven't read the Manu Smriti, but it has been passed as it was created. It was passed on by the upper caste, which is the Brahmins and the Kshatriyas, downwards, that you will now behave in a certain way. We will treat you like this. So, do we think, I, I'd like to ask each one of you, do you th would you say that converting to Buddhism, uh, Ambedkar, as far as I know, please correct me on this. He had said that that was the only way to eradicate untouchability, right? To convert, as in this whole scale rejection of the uh, religion of Hinduism. Do we agree, each one of you? I agree. I agree. Madhu? I think if... For the person. For, the, uh, for someone who is... Uh, I don't know, because if a person who is now a Buddhist is then treated like, oh, you're the new Buddhist who has come from a lower caste and I'm going to... Uh, uh, discriminate against you anyway, then of course it doesn't work. If you really want to work, want it to work, then all Hindus should become Buddhists and then Manuspriti won't stand. So it's a catch-22. I think basically 
you can't change people's attitude by converting or non-converting. I think it has to be a, a underground social cultural change where sensitivity is developed that it doesn't help anyone to treat another human being so badly. Manisha? I have always been perplexed by this because I am strongly anti-caste system but I am I'm probably the only one on the table who believes that Shivji and Krishna and Ram existed. No, like, no, you're not for alone. Me, no, I am, I am a believing Hindu and I take a lot of, I mean, it's a source of strength to me. Uh, the gods, everything about it. And it is my identity, but I hate caste, the fact that caste exists. So what I would really want is for Dalits to be, to see in India where Dalits, where uh, these, you know, you reclaim the religion and tell it the way you want to tell it. And because whatever we've heard is from, you know, it's Brahminical. So more than rejection, I would hope for reform within well, the that's religion. That's nice. That's, that's yeah. also a very and, good option. And more just acceptable. retelling of stories. Just it's more acceptable. Reclaiming the religion In a wider range, what she's proposing is more acceptable to a larger Hindu majority, I would imagine. Hmm. Karuna, as an atheist, what do you feel? I think whatever if she feels or whoever went with her, if dignity is what they sought, and if dignity is what they feel within, I think it's worth it, her step is worth it. I would applaud that. But we need to see if that's what happens, because we should also give her the freedom to say that I did this and I did not get the dignity I deserved. Right. That's well, something know, the, that... The really strange thing about Gandhi, who I believe was the greatest human being Oh no, you do. <laughs> I uh, liked you till now. <laughs> Was that he? I mean, if he was present today, he would have called, he would have been called a sanghi. To yeah, be honest with I you, I completely agree. You know, <laughs> some of I his like views. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where I'm coming from because one of the most remarkable books ever written by an Indian was the Annihilation of Caste by Dr. Ambedkar, and it has had a lot of editions. And the second and the third edition, so Gandhi responded to Ambedkar's book. And that's in the second edition. In the third edition is Ambedkar responded to <laughs> Gandhi. One should read that. And what should know that, you know, where Gandhi was coming from, what were his views on every, I mean, almost everything that Gandhiji said, uh, uh, you know, I mean, all the, uh, you know, the, the really, uh, I would say, non-democratic things. Uh, actually, Ambedkar was probably, I don't know, forced to put in the constitution, like the, you know, banning of cow slaughter, for example, yeah. prohibition and, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, proselytization, it was not, I mean, you know, some, somehow Ambedkar resisted that. But Gandhi said, the day I am given the power to form laws, I will ban proselytization. Mm. So all these views are, you know, in today's day and age. In the context of the fact that no religion is better or worse, which is... The essence of conversion to say that, okay, I'm going to give you a better life. He, I think he was a reformist. I think a lot of his views came from the fact that he felt that this needed to be reformed. Okay, there is something very wrong about talking about Gandhi on Ambedkar Jayanti. This right. is, this, he yes. would not be amused by but he's on the so money. No, but he respected Gandhi a lot. But Gandhi's I mean, on the money. The both ex yeah. For me, you know, both. He loved Gandhi and Gandhi loved Ambedkar. It's just that they discussed it, you know, to such an extent that would be called a Twitter spat, uh, Correct, you know, in today's terminology. Yeah, you but know. I think this conversion is great as a symbolic reminder as well. It's important to not forget which is what we do quite often. Okay, I want everyone to start thinking about what you're going to recommend our listeners uh, listen I to. I haven't read any. Uh, listen and to read to, Tasha, read, listen to, read. Anyway, 
what they should access. And uh, while you're all thinking, I would like to remind everyone that uh, NL Hafta is also available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. And if you're listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, you can find the iTunes link below the description. Those listening on SoundCloud, the pieces that we have all talked about will be mentioned at the bottom of our page in News Laundry. You can't find it on SoundCloud because they don't let us do this. So come to News Laundry, see all the links and then go and see Bro Tips and Anand's articles and things like that. We have lots for you to read. But because I will be fired if we don't talk about this, <laughs> I need to talk about the man that you all should know Abhinandan Sekri loves. <laughs> His name is Tahir Shah. Tell me, everyone has seen Angel? Of course. It's, it's a landmark. This evening, I confess. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. Did you, did you honestly find out about Angel because of Hafta? Yes. I mean, I, I got this email from uh, Karthik saying these are <laughs> topics. <laughs> well, then, Karthik. Said, so, I've heard of the name Tahir Shah. Uh, but I had never heard but him thought before. It was the other and Tahir the first Shah. thing I <laughs> so, so this uh, Virgin Tahirsha moment that was destroyed yes, once and for all come. this evening. Yes. Tell me how you responded. Well, to I, it reminded me of you know before uh, I left the shores, uh, you know, to study abroad, uh, the way I used to sing Beatles song. And oh. Maybe I can you know as a yesterday, yesterday, all my troubles. Did you wear the bathrobe? <laughs> The velvet bathroom. <laughs> no, I didn't go as far as that. But the accent uh, of, you know, of Tahir Shah in that song was what oh, took my so breath posh. away. That was... It is a very, very special song. Um, and uh, Manisha, tell me, were you waiting for it? <laughs> no, I wasn't waiting. <laughs> what? No, I mean, I, I didn't know... Actually, I got to know him, know about him through Ranveer Singh's Dub Smash because I'm a ah. Ranveer fan. Oh, like so that. that's how. So I wasn't really waiting for it, no. But my favorite little. Am I the only one who was looking forward to this? No, you are not the only one. Oh. I will have you know that on the 31st of March, he put on exactly a photograph on his yeah coming um, soon on his Twitter yep. that said coming soon. It was him. Now we know it was him. At that point of time, because his hair was relaxed, we had no idea that it was him in a uh, in wings and this purple gown. And the angel's E, this is what I like very much about it. It's a little pigtail. It. It's Indeed. so cute. It's My next pigtail. tattoo. Absolutely. You know his hair, I, I look, his hair reminded me of in the 80s, Sardarji's on Sunday morning would <laughs> drive a lambretta to dry their hair. You know, that's what his hair reminds me of. <laughs> How old are My you, My favorite really? thing is this little meme that says that when he was born, the doctor said, congratulations, you're going self-confidence in <laughs> <laughs> I know that was so funny. I was like, yeah, it, because you need like tremendous. See, even of yeah, that's true. <laughs> even no, though he's a pale second. Have you seen um, Tahir Shah and his musical genius? No, before? no, of course not. Madhu. Oh no, you, you still haven't seen. No, eye I've to seen eye. it now after the. Have you seen Eye to Eye? Yes. Which after you like after better? I was introduced to him, oh lovely. Uh, I saw pretty <laughs> much whatever was on YouTube. About I thought it was very entertaining. I think he has an American quality where they totally fearless in making a fool of themselves. So those are the kind of people who achieve a lot. So <laughs> I make think, a lot of money also. Yeah, so I think that's... Um, so my, my take on Tahisha, by the way, is that while we are all laughing about this man, as we should for coming up with something like this, I think he's an incredibly brave human being. Because in today's Pakistan, to be roaming around a golf course or any public place, <laughs> dressed like that, with what he was surrounded by, that is namely, I'm assuming his family because I can't Other imagine anyone else agreeing to take part in this video. 
However, to be essentially cross-dressing and then saying that my angel is a woman in a white wedding dress and boa, just because, but anyway, white wedding dress, using this Christian symbolism yeah. is incredibly brave in today's Pakistan. That is true. That is it. Absolutely. What bothers me about them is they all look so unhealthy. <laughs> there we go with the. They pet. look like they're going to get. But no, they put so no, much it's not that. It's not healthy. the weight. It's not the weight. It's like uh, the the sheer puffiness. Ah, you know. Yeah. Bad circulation. Hmm. <laughs> no, but I think I'm a nationalist and loves Charzer wins. No, I'm sorry, you Ooh. people go to Pakistan. No. Oh, no, no. Love no. Charzer all the way. Sorry, who is Love Charzer? <laughs> you know, he's my anthem. You know Guru Ram Rahim, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course I know him. Love Charzer. The song is called Okay, Dodge. I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. It's awesome. Watch it. There is an alternative universe where that's all you get to hear. It might also <laughs> be called Guantanamo Bay, for all we know. But, uh, Anand, do you have a recommendation in terms of what our readers should read, listen? Can I just. Uh, it's, it's you a, may indeed. It's a plug, but it's not for me. It's. it's I read Anand's piece and I think I read it multiple times and I'm not ashamed to admit it, it shook me. So the recommendations in that piece is what I'm going to go back and reread the ones I've read and admit to my stupidity of not reading. Which, yeah, which I, piece I, did I, you I, say? Today's. Uh, yeah. it's, it's up to date. I really, really highly. It's, I, and it should come with a warning. You know, There's a bit of a trigger warning. It will shake you up if you have a pulse. Thank That's you very much. But I mean, again, on that subject, uh, I would recommend reading this you know, short book uh, called Waiting for a Visa by yes. Dr. Ambedkar. Yeah, yeah. So, I haven't read that. Yeah, it's available, That's what, exactly. available I'm get, on the net. And it's I'm amazing. totally going to make that net, effort. You can yes. download it and read it? Yeah. yeah. In fact, the link is, the link the is given in uh, Anand's article. So I would highly recommend it to anyone um, who hasn't read it. Uh, what a great title. One would think that it was written for today. Yes. Yeah. Waiting, Waiting for, a, for visa a visa is a very contemporary tone. Yes. So that's your recommendation, Manisha? I'm also going to go with Anand's. <laughs> wow. It is... To yeah. see great uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Anand, just one quickly. Did you see all the front page, ad, all the full page ads in the newspapers today? I Anna saw. Baker, what I, do you I think saw. about that? Yes. So in fact, I mean, you know, it's the same thing, you know, you stop following your leader, you start worshipping him. And it's the same thing. And in fact, I, I, I was, uh, as I was coming, I was looking at the tweets where uh, the Prime Minister is giving a speech in, uh, in the, the birthplace of Ambedkar. Yeah, that's right, yes. And he is, he's talking, uh, you know, very, very sentimental terms. Like, I think one of the ANI, uh, this thing tweet was that, मेरी माँ जो है वो बर्तन धोती थीं अगर एक ऐसी माँ जो बर्तन धोती थी उनका बेटा प्राइम मिनिस्टर बन गया तो वो बाबा साहब की वजह से है so I mean I'm not here to you know to doubt the sincerity of what the prime minister feels towards Dr Ambedkar but the proof of the pudding is in the eating what has he done okay to for example you know as far as free speech is concerned, as far as so many other things that Dr. Ambedkar said should be done, he's not followed a single one of them. Hmm. And he's following, uh, uh, worshipping Ambedkar. So, you know, there seems not to be to a disconnect. the kind of Dalit atrocities that have been coming up. It's not like they didn't happen before, but there certainly is a certain kind of impunity that we see where uh, local authorities are allowing this to happen. 
and there has obviously been no change in that attitude. I'm not saying that it's more, but it should have been less. Yeah, and there is an incident that I leave unexplained in my thing that a Dalit bridegroom yeah. was going to his wedding yeah. and yeah. what happened to him. So, you know, these yeah, things yeah, yeah, are... Yeah, uh, it was not ex unexplained. You've given the link. We've given yes, the link. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's yeah. good. But I think it really just boils down to the fact that social change can't come through laws and legislation and all that. It can only come by... Uh, gurus who run around, who go into villages in their saffron clothes and tell people that ye jati ko chodo, ye jati bhedwaad, ye sab chodo. I think it has to come, they have to create a new kind of propaganda machine in which they can culturally infiltrate the villages and change people's perspectives and perceptions on how they treat other castes. I think it can only come from that. It can't come from laws and regulations. It has to come from somebody who looks like an authoritative figure in in Hindus in Hinduism, and he can give this message in a sincere way. And there's, I would think that that would be far more successful than. Um, but what would you like us to read? Actually, I've been reading reading Tavleen's new book. Right. Um, that bar? No, that's a new book. That's a new book. Yeah. Oh. Which I am going to be <laughs> uh, share in, with all of us. interviewing her on the the eighteenth in conversation with her hmm. at her book launch. So, um, I've been absorbed with that. What is the book about? It's Nail. about... Um, are there lots of juicy stories? Yes, there are. Is there Excellent. gossip? That's there are lots need. of juicy stories. So There are um, lots of experiences with street children. One part that I did like in the book, which is, you know, we forget what it was like living under that in, in, living in that period uh, in the 60s uh, and early 70s because we f we young people today have no idea how things used to not function then hmm. you know getting a telephone you had to bribe people wait in line buying anything uh, for cars whatever and this uh, reason for this foreign car fever you foreigner 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 Nobody could buy a pair of blue jeans in India. So somebody is wearing blue jeans. India today, I blue jeans in India. All this kind of gossip used to go. Shortages all the time. Yeah, Every three months, uh, I see someone eating parathas for breakfast. What happened? Double roti ka shortage. Kabi dood ka shortage. Kabi ande ka shortage. Kabi petrol ka shortage. It was a continuous life of shortages, unavailability of and making life extremely difficult for everybody. All right, today life is extremely difficult for the very poor in India still. For the middle class, it's slightly less difficult, but it is difficult to get your kids in school or whatever. But at that time, it was impossible. Hmm. It was an impossible lifestyle. It was a continuous struggle. And I'm amazed at how well we took it. It didn't feel that hard. It didn't feel it. that hard. We didn't grumble. We didn't say, yeah, government kya yaar. <laughs> you know, this is a whether it's feel as entitled to like we do, like this generation. No, there's there was no feeling of entitlement. Right. There was no feeling of even people never grumbled. They just took it that okay, well, there's no bread, so we eat something else. There's no eggs, so we find something. You know, right. I never saw this sort of approach that we have today that w demanding that why aren't they fixing this issue, Correct. which I think is a good thing. I yeah. think we should demand issues, it is. that, you know, why aren't they fixing this? It was taken for granted that you can't get a phone, you can't get a gas connection, yeah. you can't get any of these things, you can't get your kid into school. There were no school, you know, 
So I think that she's written about mm. uh, rather well in encapsulating, encapsulating or in putting it all in a capsule, which I think is not been done in terms of lifestyle right. and how, you know, that kind of thing. Um, also, there's a lot about Rajiv Gandhi and his way of functioning and his cronies, which a lot of people have written about. Which, of course, everyone wants to know. Okay, I'm going to... So, would Abhinandan be interviewing her or would you? <laughs> <laughs> put Abhinandan, she has a break please put that link in his interview. <laughs> um, what I'm going to recommend uh, is this uh, story from a website called Afar about renting a friend in Tokyo. It's a long read. It's one of the, yeah, uh, there is, renting a friend is not like renting a prostitute, by the way. This is literally renting a, a friend, friend because yeah. you just want to go out for a meal or a, uh, a movie and either you don't know anybody or because it's, it feels like a bit of an imposition to go out and ask someone. I mean, it's a beautifully done uh, portrait of, I think, urban loneliness mm. and maybe I'm feeling it a little more poignantly because I've just moved here and I don't know as many people but I'm oh, not a oh, no. movie. Wait, 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 that was not, one second, what is this going on? What I was going to say, what I was going to say was that I was reading it and I was thinking oh I don't need to rent a friend but, thank you. <laughs> on that happy note, uh, but um, but it is the kind of thing that I can imagine a lot of people when they move to any place, particularly cities, they can seem like really intimidating spaces if you yeah. just don't have someone to negotiate your way through them. That's true. So it's a beautiful, very melancholic uh, read and set in Japan. So you know everyone's slightly kooky anyway. Um, they but find such in cool a beautiful way. Oh, yeah. In a beautiful way. So uh, that's my recommendation. I'd like to thank everyone for coming and doing this. And I'm happy to report Abhinandan will be doing this from next week again. <laughs> so, you well know, it's all good. We will, of course, have a song for you because uh, some traditions, no traditions should be broken when they involve music, I think. So will we have... Uh, we will not have Robindra, Angel. Robindra, Shongit. Um, no, no, because I, I would like to retain my job. Fundamentally, <laughs> um, no, no, there will be nothing Bengali about the song. Um, it will be a surprise, however. It will have a um, a connection to angels. Is all I'm going to tell you. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and can I also just say one last thing, which is that we always recommend articles. Maybe we should also recommend a film. So yeah. you know, it takes a week, and a person can go and. So Jump. my recommendation for a film would be Sadgati by Satyajit Ray. It deals with the. Uh, uh, with the whole Dalit issue and it is just a magnificent film with yeah. Ompuri and uh, I actually there's something with a uh, it just struck me I'm three quarters into reading it mm -hmm. Perumal Murugan's there's another uh, book of his that's been translated called Paya which uh, obviously suggests something pretty dire is going to happen it hasn't happened yet mm. uh, three quarters into the book but it is such a beautiful little love story so far um, and uh, his translator writes a lovely thing in the introduction that um, caste, it's been passed down generations, so strong, so powerful, so uh, toxic, and yet so nervous and so unsteady in face of love. Mm. Mm. And that I think is a good thing. And a good note on which to end this podcast, which is on Ambedkar Jayanti. So everyone, go be independent, be happy. Yes.
and be nice to everyone. <laughs> दिल में है तस्वीर यार की लाया हूँ वो दिखलाने कैच ऑल न्यू एपिसोड्स ऑफ एन एल हफ्ता ऑन न्यूज लॉन्ड्री डॉट कॉम एंड फॉलो अस ऑन ट्विटर एंड फेसबुक